The following sermon was preached at Tower View Baptist Church. We are a gospel-centered, relationship-driven church that exists to know, grow in, share, and serve Jesus Christ. We do all this for the glory of God. For more about us, please check out our website at www.towerviewkc.com. We gave to our missionaries and residents today. Thank you, Jack, Jill, and Jay. Uh, and uh, you local folks, you can learn their names. You know their names afterwards uh, as well. And pray for them. Uh, Jack and Jill, the, our married couple, is headed off to sooner rather than later back to the uh, area of the world uh, where God has called them. The border has opened up, and that is a good thing because that means they can get back to sharing the gospel and training leaders and all that they do. So thank you guys very, very much. Just a couple housekeeping things very quickly in your bulletin. Uh, I hear Judy's voice in my head. I have a lot of voices in my head, I suppose, but Judy's, <laughs> Judy's rings true on Sunday mornings especially. Uh, Judy wants us to remind you, as well as Doug and Cindy Hager, that if you're interested in decorating your car for part of Halloween outreach for evangelism, we need to know like now. Uh, we may have to cancel the event uh, and uh, do not do it next Saturday, and if so, that's a, that's what it is. But uh, we have five cars signed up right now. We need quite a few more. There's there's a lot of kids from the neighborhood uh, anticipating this. But uh, if you're curious about that, it's in the bulletin for details. More important even than that is next Sunday, Lord willing, it looks like it's going to be nice outside. Woo! Like, it's going to be 55 degrees, amen? So we are going to try, and uh, next week, Lord willing, we will try and do our socially distant Lord's Supper outside next week, uh, if that works out um, weather-wise and all that sort of thing. We told you we're going to watch the weather on this stuff, and it's been a month, so we're going to try it next Sunday. You pray for good weather and all that goes into that. Well, you have your Bibles, and I'll ask you to turn to 1 Timothy 2 before I pray, but uh, our pastoral prayer today is simple. As you're turning in your Bibles, our pastoral prayer is very simple, is that God would do a work in Washington like he did in Nineveh. God would do a work in Washington like he did in Nineveh. Uh, why, why are we praying for that, Pastor? Are you endorsing a candidate? I'm not endorsing him. praying, and we will ask God. It's so good to see you, and, and the ones outside, ones online, thank you for joining us. It's good to see you, and let's go before the Lord as we pray this morning. Father, thank you for the opportunity to be here. We pray, Lord, that you help us to discern your word as we wrap up this uh, short uh, topical series, God, the Election, and Us, part four this morning. Father, we are praying from every local municipality up into the uh, 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue that you would do a work as you did in the days of, of Nineveh. Father, I, I suspect many of us, most of us, are like Jonah. We'd rather run the opposite way than to confront such a monumental, uh, ginormous task. But, Father, you've called us. You've called us to go and make disciples. Father, and so we pray that you help us to do that to the glory of your name. Father, in the next nine days as we go to the polls, Father, may your will be done. But no matter what lies ahead, as, as Lane said in our prayer, you are still God. And that doesn't change. And nothing about what you've called us to do changes. But, Father, as our nation changes, whatever that means ahead, conservative or liberal or somewhere in between, we pray that you are lifted high in our lives and our churches. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen. Amen. Well, you're in 1 Timothy chapter 2 this morning as we look at this final piece, God, the election, and us, and for both sake of time and brevity, uh, we are just going to jump right in here. I want to remind you where we have been. Uh, we have looked at this series not because we're trying to endorse a political candidate, trying to endorse a political party, but because we think it's a good reminder as Christians, especially during this time, 
to remind ourselves about what our calls are for those people in power, and as Christians, how we are to handle ourselves. You know, in Matthew 28, 16-20, we are told to go to the nations. We are told we have authority. We have the authority of the nations, but yet we are people, like that centurion who came to Jesus, under authority. And so as we go up and as we go down in the nation and in our lives, we need to remind us of these things. The first couple weeks, we took a, a brief look through Daniel. We reminded ourselves, and I'm not going to list them all, but, but God uses rulers. He raises rulers. He, he, uh, he, uh, he, 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 he utilizes them. He blesses them. He judges them. God does all sorts of things with rulers. Because ultimately, the rulers are not ruling. God is ruling the rulers. Amen? And that's what we know. Last week, we looked at Mark 12, 13 through 17. Jesus said, render under Caesars the things that are Caesars and God's the things that are God's. And we noted that in verse 17, as he says those things, that he's saying basically Christians should be blessings. We should be the best. We should be out there as the best citizens, the best people of the land. But secondly, we are borderless. We, we reminded ourselves, as it was said, that Christians are like cockroaches. Sorry, uh, that's what we are. Yes, ma'am, Patsy, I said that. Uh, Patsy said, beg your pardon. We are like cockroaches. We can live everywhere because we're not bound by a political party or a nation. That, that Israel is not the focus, but the nations of the world are. We are borderless. We're international. And finally, we said last week that we are to render under God's the things that are God's, that we are bound. Our lives are to be lived under God's authority and with limited authority under those people that God puts under us. And there are times where when the Bible is crossed, when the line is crossed, that we are in civil disobedience obeying God rather than men in the spirit of Acts 4 and 5. And so we find ourselves today in a passage that's a little more tame, if you will, but it's so important. 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 7. If you have God's word, let's read this together as we start today. You know these words. This is a very straightforward text. I don't need to do a lot of linguistic or, or, or language tricks. It's very straightforward, but remind ourselves of what it is today. Hear the word of the Lord. It says, first of all, then, I urge that supplications prayers and intercessions and thanksgivings be made for all people. Note that word all. For kings, verse 2, and all who are in high places, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. For this is good. It's pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires, what? All people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Verse 5, for there's one mediator and there's one God, one God, excuse me, and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is a testimony given in the proper time. For this I was appointed as a preacher and apostle. I'm telling the truth, I'm not lying, a teacher to the Gentiles in faith and in truth. Guys, this passage is so, so important to us because it not only establishes where we've been the last two weeks, but it establishes even more our call to pray. Let me pray with you one more time, and we're going to jump into this text. Let's go before our Lord as we pray this morning. Father, as we start out today, doing the sermon a little bit different today, but thanking you that we have the chance to come together, some online, some outside in cars, some inside, but one unit together, one body, one faith, one Lord, one baptism. And, and Lord, you are Lord over all, so we thank you for that. So Lord, be glorified, be lifted high. Pray, be with us in these next nine days. May how we act, how we uh, just basically live our lives be to your glory. May people not see us endorsing someone more important, Lord, than the one that you have endorsed and you've raised up, your very own son, Jesus Christ. Father, we know there's important matters before us, but may our most important matter be to honor you, whatever that looks like in the days ahead. We pray in Jesus' name, God's people said, amen. 
Well, our big idea today is just simply that we know life is crazy right now. And I'm looking at Jeff Jones, for those of you online and, and outside. Brother Jeff is going to have to set up this whole sanctuary, a whole building, really, in like nine days is going to be taken over by chairs and tables of people coming to vote. And that's a great thing. We thank God for that opportunity. But in the meantime, and every day, what should we be doing in this land? I want you to see, first off, that God calls us to pray for everyone. God calls us to pray for everyone. You note that in verse 1. Paul begins with a word of exhortation. He gives a priority. Did you see this? He says, first of all. That's one of Paul's favorite passages, one of his favorite lead-ins. When a preacher says, first of all, you don't know if that's like the first first of all or if that's like the seventh bullet point, but first of all, he says it's a priority. And then he goes through the comprehensiveness of it. He says, with supplications, with our requests, our prayers, it's, it's devoted to praying. With intercessions, you're praying specifically for them and giving thanks. There's this big picture. First of all, do this. Do what? Well, you're going to pray for who? All men, everywhere, even the Hitlers of the world, you should pray for them. Specifically, kings and all in authority. Why? Well, he tells you, he tells what the purpose is, that you may lead a quiet and peaceful life in all godliness and in all reverence. Doesn't that just sound like uh, the old days gone by, like the little house on the prairie or something like that? You know, you're just going to go live out there. But that's not what we're called to do. We are called, as our missionaries shared earlier, to take the gospel to the nations. But in doing so, you're going to encounter all men in all places, in all authority. But as you do so, you're going to pray that you would live a quiet and peaceful life. This is what is called, or should be called, evangelistic praying. This is what we share the gospel evangelistically, but this is, excuse me, the Great Commission in prayer. This is prayer that is most unusual in most churches. Paul is recruiting the prayers for the salvation of the nations and those who lead the nations. Well, Pastor, are you saying that President Trump isn't a Christian? Look, I'm not the heart doctor. God is. But what I would ask you to pray is this for every politician, whoever stands in front of you. God, if they are not saved, Lord, would you turn their heart to believe that Jesus is the only Savior? God, if they are saved, that they live for you and not for party or politics or, or whoever else can come knocking on their door, that they live for you. That's all you have to pray. That's evangelistic prayer. I mean, think who they were praying for. They were praying for Nero, for crying out loud. The guy that was dipping Christians in tar and literally setting them on fire in his garden to have a party with people. Sounds like something from the Hunger Games, if you know that stuff. It's just weird. We're called to pray for them. We will not reach Muslims in our nation and around the world without prayer, or Buddhists, or Hindus, or Jews, or the nuns, those who believe in nothing, or the secularists, or our neighbors, without prayer. So he says, pray for everyone. How are you to do this? You are to do this simply yourself. You are to pray. But as I remind you often, prayer can often become an excuse not to share the gospel. There is like those prayers in Acts 12, when you know the story, when Peter was locked. And, and Peter, and they were praying for Peter, and he comes knocking on the door. You remember the story? And Rhoda, the little servant girl, goes back to him and says, Peter's here, Peter's here. And they're having their prayer meeting. No, honey, you're just hearing voices in your head like Pastor Darren, you know, that sort of thing. And she goes back again. And she says, no, Peter's here. And they were praying so much, they weren't even doing the very thing they were supposed to be doing of sharing the gospel. But he says to pray. So let's cry out for our nation. Let's cry out for all nations. Let's cry out for the persecuted church around the world, for the unreached peoples. Let's pray as Jesus taught us in Matthew 9, 38. Therefore pray that the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest, for the fields are white before us. 
We fail to reach the nations because we fail to pray for the nations. Let me put it this way. Actually, let John Piper put it this way. I'm not a Piperite, but he has good quotes every now and then. He's quotable. This is what he said. He said, if you want your prayers to do the most good for the greatest number of people, be sure to pray for those people whose decisions create the conditions in which the purposes of the gospel prosper. It's important to pray for leaders because they bring the conditions that create or either advance or impede the gospel. Have you prayed that whoever leads us would be an avenue by which the gospel would explode in the area that they explode in? Could even a liberal president, even a moderate president, even a conservative president be used as a vehicle for the gospel? Yes, they could be. Even despite themselves, they could be. You pray for that because God desires for you to pray for all people. And be careful. I'm going to warn myself of this again and yourselves again. Don't just pray for people who are the opposite party of who you typically vote for and say, God, save them because you think everyone in your party is saved. Friend, far be it from any of that. You pray for whomever God puts in power. And you don't get complacent when you see things going the way you want it to go. You keep praying because you know what? God will use those prayers to either advance the gospel or hold it back. Because that person has a lot of power. Well, pastor, can't the gospel go forward even without the, the, the leader giving approval? Absolutely it can. Look around the nations. Think of China, the underground church. But your call is to pray for all leaders everywhere. You know that, don't you? But isn't it hard to pray for those you don't like? Jesus said, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Are you doing that? I'm going to repeat this again. I heard more prayers when President Clinton was in power from conservative churches. We've got to pray for the president. I heard more prayers for President Obama when he was in power. I haven't heard as much about that for President Bush, even President Trump. Because we get okay. We say, well, there's some guy up there that's got it going. We don't need to pray as much. We need to pray all the more. We need to pray all the more because, guys, the tide can change in this nation if we allow God to work through the people who claim him in this nation. God asks us to pray for all people. Secondly, God desires for all to be saved. God desires for all to be saved. You see that in verse 3? It's very clear from the text. He says, this is good. What is good? Praying for all people, leading a quiet life. And let me just say just a quick comment on that quiet life. Some of you, that's really, really hard to do. Some of you have a hard time being quiet, amen? And some of you have a really hard time not opening your mouth when things in the nation. Look, pray for a quiet life. Live your life. Be involved. Be, be bold for the gospel. But at the end of the day, your job is not to make much of you or a political party or a candidate or a leader. Your job is to make much of Jesus Christ. And when you do that, that is pleasing to God. He says in verse 3, For this is good. And it is pleasing in the sight of our God. Don't you love... I, Natalie and I are watching this goofy show, and it's about married at first sight. Maybe you've seen this show before. They arrange marriages, and they try and set it up. It's really weird. Uh, it's based on an experiment thing, not endorsing it. But they always want to be pleasing to their new spouse. They want to please their new spouse. And, and you know the longer you get married, the, the less that becomes a thing because you kind of accept them, they accept you. But don't you remember those early days of your relationship? You couldn't do enough to please your spouse because you had to go above and beyond and beyond and beyond. And we forget that in our relationship with Jesus Christ sometimes too. You want to know more how to please your God? He tells you how to do it. You pray. 
You live a peaceful and quiet life because this pleases God. If you're an underliner and you're a people pleaser, underline this verse. This is a verse you can take home to the bank. He says in verse 3, This is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires that all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Look, our prayer should be as broad and extensive as God demands, and our heart should be as big and expansive as God desires. We are praying for all men, especially national leaders. It's good. It's acceptable. It's pleasing in His sight. But more than that, this is the God who wants to save all people. Now, I want to be very, very clear here. We are not Unity Village down by Lee Summit for those in Kansas City area. We do not believe that all people will be singing Kumbaya in heaven someday, right? Or else our missionaries are just wasting their time. Why go and tell people about Jesus if you're going to get saved anyway? God desires that all would be saved. There's no universalism here. God truly desires that all people will be saved. But we have to confront the reality. Does God really going to save everyone? He's not. Because you know what? The Bible is very clear that someday people are going to either accept or reject Jesus Christ. That's a personal choice. But it is, we can say it this way, that God is willing to save all, though he, does not, he will not save all. He's willing to save, but not all will come to him. He desires the salvation of all, but he doesn't decree the salvation of all. God delights in the eternal perishing of no one, and he's designed a world where some do perish eternally. God says in Ezekiel 18.32, I have no pleasure in the death of anyone. And so as we think about these times, we need to remember that those people who seem so vicious, and, and for some of you, that could be the conservative side. Those conservatives, they're crazy. What are they thinking? For some of you, that could be the liberal people, whatever that is. You look across the aisle and think, there's no way that guy could get saved. Oh, try God. I think he can handle it. If God can change the Apostle Paul's heart, who can God not change? The goal here is not to make any more statement than this, is that there are 2.7 or probably even more our missionaries now, you guys know the stats, a billion plus people that have never heard the name of Jesus Christ ever. Ever. They haven't even heard the mention of it. And here you talk in Morocco and Saudi Arabia and Syria and Myanmar and China and, and Yemen and Nigeria, Japan, Pakistan, Indonesia, North Turkey, Afghanistan, Bangladesh, Thailand, Uzbekistan. And you have heard the name of the gospel. Are you praying even for those nations far, far away that God would use the leaders of that nation to be friendly or at least use the climate as such that the gospel would go forth? I mean, lest my heart think the heart is only for the nations, let's take a look at home. This past decade from two, two, well, roughly two, 2005 to 2015, let me just give you some increases of religions in our nation. You ready for this? Islam has increased 109% in participation in America. Buddhism, 170. Hinduism, mainly from India, 237% increase from the decade before. Unitarian Universalist, 25%. Native American, 119. Baha'i, 200%. New Age, 240. And so on and so forth. Do we believe that God desires to use us to reach the nations, even in times when politically it's not good? Then we must do more. Friends, you need to pray. And you need to pray, God, you desire that all the nations will be saved. The nations cry for more. Our nation cries for more. He loves us so much. He allows us to share in his mission even today. Guys, this neighborhood that we live in, in, in Maple Park, and many of you know this because you live in this neighborhood, is one of the most diverse in this whole area. 
If you go to the northeast side of Kansas City, the old Italian sector of the, the area, it's probably the most diverse part of Kansas City. Over 50 language groups spoke. Brother John was pastor there many years ago at Central Baptist Church. He knows this. But the nations have literally moved right in our backyard. Would you pray? Would you pray for yourself? Would you pray that your preconceived notions, would you pray that whatever you feel about a Muslim or a Buddhist or a Hindu or or someone who's different than you would go out the window for this one thing, that God desires that they would be saved? See, Darren, what's that have to do with the election? It has everything to do with the election. Because at this time of year, we look at people with a little bit different tilt in our eye. You know, I'm not sure I can trust that person. What's that person really going to do when they get in power? What's that? It doesn't matter. God asks you to do one thing. He asks you to pray for all people, and he asks you to pray that all people might come to know the one true God. That's what he asks you to do. Christians, we love all people, don't we? But especially those neighbors around us. And I'm as guilty as any. We have neighbors that we need to speak to the gospel with. You pray for us. You have neighbors that need to hear the gospel. You want to see the nations reached and start in your own backyard. Pastors start in your own backyard. They're there. Well, what if they all look like me? It doesn't matter. They need to know Christ. Are they part of his nation? Or are they part of Satan's nation? That's really the only choice that matters at the end of the day. Number three, God desires us to pray for all people. He desires that all would be saved. But I want you to see this, and boy, I wish we had time to preach through this, but God has designated, God has designated Jesus as the only Savior. Look at verse five. If you just if you focus on nothing else, here's your shot in the arm of great news today. Verse 5, you ready for this? For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and man, and between God and man, and that is the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. Paul moves now to the Great Commission theology. He says, Look, pray for all people, because God wants all people to be saved. But now this is something that we dare not get wrong. Friend, you cannot be a Christian and deny any part of this stuff. There is one God, right? We believe there's one God in three persons. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Aaron, Aaron I feel, or Jay, I feel like I'm doing your dance moves from earlier when you were leading the session at 9 a.m. But John 14, 6, can you say it with me? Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. Acts 4, 12, there's salvation in no other name under heaven, given among men, which we must be saved. Love it. Do you know what? You say, well, Darren, what, what, again, what if we vote for someone who doesn't believe that there's one God? It doesn't matter because this is your anchor in those times. This is your anchor that you hold on to. When everything else in this world is going to hell in a handbasket, this is what you hold on to. God, you're God. There's none like you. You're it. There's only one God. There's one mediator between God and man. God, I can't take it to the highest court. You've already settled my case in the highest court, the court of heaven. You've done that for me. And, as, and this will make Dave Holdsworth happy. As Adrian Rogers put it, salvation is not plan. It is not a plan. It's a man. And that man is named Jesus Christ. There's one mediator between God and man. Friends, sometimes we think that this world has so much to offer that if the more we get involved in it, the more power we seek. And that is just hogwash because there is one mediator and his name is Jesus. And you need to pray. Every politician gets that message. Look, there's a lot of things you need to write to your senator about. Have you ever considered writing a letter about the gospel to your senator? 
Send them a gospel track. Drop it in there. You'll probably get one of those great phone calls later. Thank you, Mr. Smith, for that great letter. So grateful. You know, for, for $19.95 a month, you can support this campaign. And that leads you a chance to talk to those people. My wife has been getting those text messages. She's from Oklahoma. It must be an Oklahoma thing. On her phone where they send the text saying, hey, are you going to vote for such and such? And she said, I don't know what she says. She's quirky. She says, no, I'm not going to vote for any of those people or something like that. If you can call or text from someone asking your political opinion, would you just ask them if they know Jesus Christ? <laughs> Turn the tables, right? If a real person answers, somewhere, somehow, you're going to reach that person. Well, what if I don't know the call? Okay, you don't have to answer it. You don't have to give out your number. But if you get a text, I don't know, maybe buy another phone and try this out. It's fun. It's actually really, really fun. If you really want to do this, Google offers free local numbers, and you can set up a free number and sign up for all the political ads and just tell people about Jesus all day. It's coming straight to your phone. You're looking at me like I'm crazy, and I'm serious about this. You figure out a way to get the message out that really matters, and that message is that there is one mediator who's given himself for a ransom. He gave himself. It's a vicarious salvation, and this is the only way that we have for all people. Look, I believe that God has chosen some to be saved. That's very consistent with the New Testament scriptures and the Baptist faith and the message. We don't know who they are, but God has. He says that. So we're to go. We're to tell. And you know what? Turn this table on its head. If someone sends you a questionnaire in the mail, write a little note in there. John 3, 16. God loves some of the world. When I sell on eBay, I drop a little note in there about the gospel every time it goes out. Well, won't that hurt your ratings? Maybe it will. But the gospel is more important. You find a way. There are ways all around you to get this message out. You just got to think through it. At the cashier, when you can't understand a word they're saying anyway because they have their mask on, and rightfully so, you be a little bit louder and say, God bless you, ma'am. Do you know that Jesus died for your sins? You pray for all people. God desires them to be saved. And life is short. Death is sure. Those nations who don't trust in him lead that God's people will be okay because he himself has led them to the place where he has put them. And he died on that cross to share that message. God wants you to pray for all people. God desires that all would be saved. God has designated Christ. But I want you to see finally that God has appointed us to proclaim the message. Look at verse 7. And this sounds weird because this is Paul talking, right? He's talking in first person here. For this is what I was appointed, a preacher and apostle for. I'm telling the truth. I'm not lying. A teacher of the Gentiles in faith and in truth. So what does this have to do with me? Well, Paul says, I'm speaking the truth in Christ. He says, I'm a preacher, I'm a herald, I'm an apostle, I'm a sent one to the nations. Paul had a unique calling on his life, but I want to remind you as we have this message that you have a unique calling in this life. Your unique calling is not to be a political pundit for someone. And look, if you want to wear a shirt of your candidate, go for it. That's your call. But I pray that your desire is for people to come to know Jesus Christ. Friend, this can go for anything. You can love to wear... Oh, it's a Sunday. I can't mention there. You can love to wear the Royals all day, right? I can't mention the Chiefs today. You can love to do whatever you want to do. I can wear my running stuff all the time. I can be more proud runner than I am in Christian. You fill the blank with whatever you got in your life. But do people know that you're Christian? Have they come to know, as Paul made plain in his life, that he was all sold out for Jesus Christ? Look, I'm not against wearing Chiefs stuff or Royals stuff. Please hear me clearly. But you get the idea. When people look at your life as they looked at Paul's, do they see someone set apart for the gospel of Jesus Christ? Or do they just see someone else who's just trying to get through another day? Look, and we have those days, amen? Come to the Smith household. We have most of those days. 
Just getting from breakfast to, to dinner time to finding time to sleep is hard enough. But Lord, in the midst of that, in this season when our country is headed in a way, wherever it's headed, Lord, would you use me to share the gospel? Father, who is it today that I'm going to meet? Maybe it's at the store. Maybe we're socially distant at the store, but, 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 but Lord, maybe you put them in my path. Maybe it's at work. Father, maybe it's in my family. Maybe it's someone that, that's a neighbor. But Lord, when's the last time you prayed like that? Paul wasn't afraid to say that God appointed him for this message. And Christian, we need to remember that truth. That God has appointed you for a greater message than any political party can give you. He's given you the eternal gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, someday, and I pray it's many years, that's this country, as do you. Someday, America is just going to be a footnote in the annals of history if Jesus doesn't return before then. I love our country. I'm so grateful for it. I love everything about it. I really do. And the things that God has blessed us with, and the men and women have given their life for it. But someday, just like the Roman Empire, just like the Byzantine Empire, I'm looking at all my seminary guys trying to find all these old dead religions and civilizations, the Babylonians, the Persians. Someday America is going to pass. But God's kingdom will live forever. And what we do here for him matters more than what happens. You hear this all the time. This election is the greatest. It's the most important thing. It's it, it's it. The buck stops here. If we don't get this right, Christian, if you don't get your faith right and focused on what's more important in this life, will you be ready when that trump call sounds? Is he going to find a faithful servant for Jesus or a faithful servant more for his country? And those aren't always in conflict. Don't hit mishear me. But are we focused on the things we need to be focused on? More than what's in this world. I'm going to close. I've got a couple minutes here. I've written out some notes. So Darren, what does this mean? I just want to be clear as we close that no message from our pulpits will ever replace the priority of teaching about Jesus Christ here in this church. Not culture, not politics, not current events, not felt means, not psychology, nothing. Jesus Christ and Him crucified is what this church is about. And you pray it stays that way. I'm not saying anything more than what I'm actually telling you. Is I don't, there's nothing more in my mind than saying this. As pastors, we're always preparing for the next guy. We're not planning on going anywhere, to be clear. But we're always preparing for the next guy. Because we don't know when God may call, right? But I pray that if it's 50 years from now or 5 minutes from now, that this pulpit is always filled with the songs. Thank you, Brother Craig, for leading us to songs that glorify Christ. Pastor Nelson, thank you, Brother, for leading you. He's got a cult following on Facebook for his Sunday school lessons. He really does. Uh, when Nelson pops on, the, the stats on the website just go through the roof. And I mean that in a good way. But this pulpit will always preach Christ, not politics. I want to remind you as well that do not be afraid is the most common command of Scripture. It happened to Mary. happened to everyone in Scripture. And it is, I think, the most disobeyed command when it comes to Christian and politics. Christian, don't be afraid. God's got this. He really does. You vote, you, you exercise your civil right, but you remember that God has this. Politics matter, but can I just say a personal note, but they don't matter more than friendships or relationships, especially in the body of Christ. I praise God at Tower View, we don't have that, but I can guarantee you in churches right now, there are people next Sunday and most churches will sound more like a political rally than it will about praising the risen Jesus Christ. Shame on us. May politics never divide our faith. You may disagree with people in this church, and that's okay. But we are united in Jesus Christ. That's, that is, that's it. That's where we stand. And I'm going to remind you, too, as important as politics are, in a thousand years, ain't nobody going to care. 
the day after, ain't nobody going to really care. But God and the gospel will still be there. Friends, I'm afraid that too many Christians have a political theology rather than a theology that shapes their politics. Don't make the mistake of elevating politics to the throne of your life. Look, I, I, I love watching the numbers. I plan to stay up when everyone else goes to bed. You know, doing that thing. I like to see who's won here, who's won there. It's always, I love stats. That's part of it. That's fine. But look, when you mix religion and politics, you get politics. Let our faith stand apart. If you find yourself complaining about American politics more than you rejoice in the occupied throne where Christ is, then friends, you need to be praying more. Are you being prayerful? Are you more to the other party than you are entrusting in God's sovereign plan? Is it necessary to ignore somebody because you think that you know better than them politically, but spiritually you know you need to share the gospel with them? Do you pray for your president, your governor, your senator, your mayors? Do you pray for God to bless them and lead them to the knowledge of the truth that's in them? Friends, that's our call. It's pretty simple. That is our call. But I just want to remind you, remind you that whoever's elected the president, that God will grant us grace to honor them and that God will grant us grace to pray for them. God will prove to be just as sovereign on uh, 10 days from now in a week uh, as when Reagan was president, as when Bush was president. I'm just throwing out conservative names. That's usually our, our church. Or when Abraham Lincoln was president. Or George Washington was president. Even when Nero was emperor or Nebuchadnezzar was king. Keep praying for our next president, not to inform or convince God of anything, but to keep yourself sane. Turn off the TV. It's okay. My mother came over yesterday for my, my wife's uh, perpetual 29th birthday. She never ages, by the way. Don't ask, don't tell. You know the policy. And my mom said, I'm glad you don't have a TV because, boy, those, those political ads coming from Kansas or something else or something like that. Isn't that the truth? Friends, inside the church, we should be making room for political differences where the Bible allows such. But we first identify with the king of the universe, not any country, not any nationality, not any political party. The gospel is the only hope for America. No political solution will ever solve a spiritual problem. Jesus didn't come primarily to solve the economic, political, or social problems of the world. He came to forgive sinners like you and sinners like me. That's it. I'm not beholden to any political party or leader. I'm beholden only to Jesus Christ and to the church he's purchased by his blood. There I kneel. As Luther would say, I can do no other. So help me God. And I just want to say this. Church, I am optimistic about Tower View's future as we are the natural church around the world because the early Christians had no political power. They had no military power. They had no economic power. They had no money. Jeff Jones, by golly, they didn't even have a budget. What? What? Isn't that amazing? <laughs> Yet by His Spirit and grace, they changed the world. And in Acts 11, they were first called Christians because they were the ones that were told that they turned the world upside down. May that be our prayer for the church. May that be the prayer for our nation. Guys, I love you. Let's all just take a collective deep breath. It's going to be okay. God's got this. You exercise your right, but trust God through it all. Let's pray together as we close, shall we? Let's pray. Fathers, we come before you. We thank you for your grace. I thank you for our three missionaries, Jill, Jack, and Jay, who are with us today because they 
they've seen both sides of the world literally more than most of us in the last uh, several months with COVID. And Father, they know as we know here that, Lord, you're as sovereign and those places they've served or will serve or are serving just as you are here at 7301 Northeast 50th Street. Father, we come not today to uplift any candidate, but Father, we do pray that you will be done in this country, that you be with our leaders, that you draw those without Jesus to truly know Jesus, not just some political thing that I, oh, God this, God that, but Lord, a true, heartfelt, spirit-led change that's only something from above, just as John uh, wrote about it with Nicodemus and Jesus in John 3. Father, we pray for those who are truly Christian. We pray for those who've truly come to know Christ, that they don't let politics or, or parties or, or, or anything else that could knock on their door, let them settle for Jesus Christ. Father, we are not identified by anyone else but what your Son has given us. Father, this doesn't take away anything that you're called us to do here in this nation as, as citizens of a free country. We're so blessed to be here. Father, may you give us great wisdom in these times. Father, these are very sobering things. We're grateful the most sobering truth is what Paul said in the midst of all this prayer, of all these nations and sharing the gospel is that you are the only God. There's none other. Thank you, Lord. We thank you for forgiving us as far as east is from the west. We pray this all today in Jesus' name and God's people said, Amen. Amen. For we need God every hour, every minute.